Welcome to the Circle Podcast Show, powered by Hair in Motion. This podcast brings you inspiring and motivating industry experts who each have their own unique story and skill set that I want to share with the members of the Circle. Now, if you want to find out what else the Hair in Motion platform can offer you, please head to the website, which is www.hairinmotion.co.uk. I'm your host, Charlie Gray. Sit back, listen, and enjoy. Hi guys, welcome to episode three, series one of the Hair in Motion podcast. And today I'm super excited to bring my good friend Peter Goslin onto the show. And the reason why I wanted to bring Peter onto the show is because he's had huge success with building his brand out in Canada. He's behind one of the powerhouses of Canadian barbering, which is Glassbox Barbershop. He's managed to build up multiple shops out in Canada and run a successful education academy. And I've been lucky enough to spend many times with him abroad teaching and doing shows. And I know how driven and how successful this man can be. So without any further ado, please take a good listen to what he's got to say, listen to his advice and see you on the other side. Welcome, Peter. How are you? Hey, Charlie. How are you? Yeah, it's good to have you on board today, mate. Oh, no. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Um, I guess it's what time is it over there in Canada now? Is it about 12 o'clock, uh, 11 o'clock? It's, it's 11, it's 11 a.m. Well, thanks for joining me. Thanks for getting up early. Um, I guess you're quite busy at the moment getting the shop ready for the uh, reopening after this virus, right? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, first of all, Charlie, it's, it's nice to speak to you. We haven't spoken in a while, so it's uh, always a pleasure to, to jump on and, and have a conversation. Thank you. Um, you know, I respect you a lot as a, as a hair cutter, so I appreciate thanks. you uh, thinking of me. So, um, yeah, you know, we're just... Um, we're just waiting to hear. Uh, and, and as far as I, I, I kind of know, we're just trying to adapt uh, to kind of what's happening in this new world order. And it seems <laughs> that uh, we're just waiting to, uh, to be told that we can go back to work. And um, yeah, it's just kind of the waiting game and, and just trying to make sure all of our protocols and safety measures are in place. Right. And similar to you, like I heard you talking on your own, um, your, your own uh, podcast you did the other day, you know, there's, you know, my, my wife and daughter and, and people to protect, right? So we're just trying to make sure that we're, uh, we're, we're, we're playing by the rules, right? Yeah, man. It's, it's, it's a really strange time because uh, there's some countries that have already opened their shops up and they're already cutting hair. And then there's the rest of the world that are watching them on Instagram. And they're like, wait a sec, why can't I cut hair? <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's, it's been so funny for us because even beside us, Montreal, they've had a higher infection rate and a higher... Uh, mortality rate yet they opened today so wow. it, it's weird to think that they're only five hours away mm. and you know and, and considered another province here in canada um but uh but they're open and we're not so it's just it's just one of those things that's going by region and and you have to just listen to the health officials but you know I'm, i've been pretty biased about a couple of these things because like i feel like you know they've opened massage therapists and physiotherapists and all these people who have you know sort of more human connective um, you know industries uh, you know and I and I feel like if anything you know the salon or the barbershop at times has definitely been 
uh, especially my own business, like we really do practice safe measure, you know, or safe service. So I feel like if they're open, there shouldn't be too much of a reason that we can't open and work in the same sort of, um, you know, uh, appointment time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I agree. So, yeah, you know, I'm sure I'm sure the uh, the industry will get back to where it was and hopefully be even stronger than before, to be honest, before this stuff came along. Well, you know, it's funny because I feel like a big thing, um, this is kind of called one of those things, which is a giant correction, right? So, you know, now we've been closed for three months. Anything that I didn't like that I was doing prior, I've changed now. Whether that was like, I felt like my pricing was too low or how I was scheduling staff or how we were um, operating in, in terms of ordering. Like we, we've kind of went through everything and just kind of said, hey, this, this isn't working. Why are we continuing to do this? Let's sort of stop ourselves now and almost open up the business as though it's the first time it's opening again. You know what I mean? You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, no, no, 100%. I think a lot of people have had a lot of time to really think about a lot of things deeply, which is a good thing. Yeah, it's been good, you know. And I mean, in saying that, you know, it's also been bad. Uh, I feel like it's a little bit damaging to the industry. I've obviously had staff who've quit, you know, and I'm sure you're aware of this as well. Like people have now, you know, it's funny because the industry, you know, the, the businesses have closed, but people are still getting haircuts because barbering or hairdressing has kind of gone underground. Yeah. And, you know, I, I hate to say it, but like I've lost staff because they're working from home now. And instead of me taking, you know, a commission from them, they're getting full price. Wow. Right. And they're thinking like, why would I go back to work for somebody else when I can just cut hair at home? You know, and my argument to that has been, well, yeah, it, it works for now, but yeah. I feel like, I feel like people will generally want to go to a, a space or a business that actually practices safe service opposed to the, the, the same place where you eat your meals and, you know, um, live your life. Like personally, I would, I wouldn't do that. I, I would like to go to a business where I feel like there's a community and a vibe, right. Or even a studio, you know what I'm saying? Whether, whatever it might be. Right. But it, it's been, it's been interesting, man. Like I said, it's been a correction and the, the, everybody I feel as a business owner, uh, whether you're in education or, uh, you know, or you own shops or whatever it might be, uh, I feel like everyone's kind of had to fine tune uh, the things that weren't working for them. Right. So yeah, of course it is what it is. Yeah. So um, obviously I, I know you quite well, Peter. Um, yeah. I've, I've spent, I've been lucky enough to actually spend quite a lot of time with you. Um, yeah. Globe trotting, doing some education over the past few years and I've got to know you quite well and your company and likewise with you and me. And it's been a great time, but um, some the, 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 there might be some people on the platform um, listening to this podcast that might not have heard of you. Um, right. So I want you to tell people who you are, where you're from, about your business, and sure. just tell us what Glassbox is all about and who Peter right. Gosling actually is at this moment in time. Right. Well, I mean, it's, it's interesting because I'm very similar to yourself. You know, uh, I started in salons. I, I'm, I'm a trained hairdresser. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and th- this will be actually me coming on my 15th year of, of being in this industry, um, which is almost, almost kind of shocking, uh, at times, <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, like, you know, the statistic is Charlie, the statistic is they say most people don't last longer than five years in this industry because they really? don't make that. Yeah. That's the statistic. It's three to five years is most people don't, uh, end up staying in the hair industry due to the fact that they don't make money. Right. Um, but you and I have both been through, um, you know, several companies, you know, uh, you know, and, and 
and the thing is, is I, I just really truly loved it. You know what I mean? Like, and, and that's the thing is I, I can remember people in hairdressing school who were kind of like, Oh, I'm going to try this out. For me, this was like, I loved it. I was obsessed with it. It was something that I had to do. And it was something that I, 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 I just didn't, I just didn't see myself doing anything else. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, 15 years later, I I'm cutting people's hair and seeing friends of mine that I was in hairdressing school or who've even owned salons who are now real estate agents or, uh, you know, working it as, you know, I know, I know a girl who opened up a daycare, you know what I mean? So it, it's pretty interesting, um, to kind of see, uh, the people that I've aligned with over, over the last bit. So that is kind of shocking that it has been that long. And, you know, I, I feel like I'll, I'll pretty much, you know, this is the only job I ever want to do, right? So, a hundred percent, man, and that's that you know, passion. That's that passion that you need to have to really last a long time in something like this. Yeah. So, I mean, my my training started with um, Aveda, right? So, I started with Aveda salons, um, and it's funny because the two educators that trained me, uh, a female uh, in Toronto, her name's Morgan Roy, uh, and uh, the other male guy was named Tristan Morrison. They had just left Sassoon's in Toronto. Um, so they, what they kind of done is they brought the Sassoon's, um, educative platform over to the Aveda salons here in, in, in Toronto. And I guess I was quite lucky because I was one of the first classes to go through this Aveda Institute and Academy. Um, but it was trained the Sassoon's way, which was a very, very positive thing for me, right? Because I feel like a lot of the hairdressing schools in Toronto, uh, a lot in Canada didn't really have that sort of, um, uh, militant style. You know what I mean? Like it was very strict. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like a free for all. It was kind of like working at a Hobbs or something like it is very, very um, regimented, which mm-hmm. was really good for me because I didn't really have a lot of, um, you know, uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is right now, but I definitely needed structure <laughs> if that makes, if that makes any sense. D- discipline, discipline, Dis- discipline yeah. and structure. You know what I mean? So it was really good for me. Um, you know, and then I, I ended up in salons and I worked in salons for a long time and, you know, um, I worked with a lot of very talented people, but my biggest thing was, is a lot of my friends were not interested. A lot of my male friends were not interested in coming to the salon because it was a little bit too, um, I think on the feminine side for them, right. They didn't want to wear a robe. They didn't want to get the five minute massage. You know, um, they just kind of wanted to come in and get a haircut and get out. My other clientele at home had this clientele in the salon and then this clientele at home. And I realized I was basically cutting 15 hours a day. And I won't, com- I won't complain because the money was obviously good, mm-hmm. right? But I kind of realized, I was like, ah, you know, I don't, I don't really know if I, I want to continue doing this. I kind of just want to be able to finish work and go home and enjoy myself. So I ended up moving from there and I, and I took a job at uh, another salon. And while I was at that salon, a friend of mine, she had came right out of hairdressing school and went right to this barbershop. And she had told me, she was like, hey, Peter, like, you know, this guy's got an open chair. He's looking for someone two days a week. If you, if you want the money and, and you want to charge your friends a lower price... To, to, to learn barbering, why don't you come on and, and do that? So, I, so that's kind of where I started, and that's what I did, you know? But obviously, as time goes by and social media started to change, you know, obviously, I discovered people like yourself and obviously Josh, um, and, and that's kind of when I realized that I, I, I was kind of doing the wrong thing, and I was kind of going backwards in my career, if, if that makes any sense. I was charging um, immediately when I came out of hairdressing school, Charlie, I was charging $55 for a haircut. Then all of a sudden I went back to the barbershop and I was charging $30 a haircut. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I was like, okay, now I'm working with quantity. Right? So I leave that shop, go to the next barbershop, and then I realize, you know, I, I see the men's buyers and I see the Rugers and I, and I see all the people that are doing this sort of new wave thing. And I realized, I was like, man, like, we really kind of need to up, up, up uh, you know, uh, evolve what we're doing. 
you know, and I, and I, and I, I don't lie to anybody because, you know, people have obviously said things to me over time, like, oh, you guys were like a men's fire light or a diet men's fire or whatever you want. And it's like, sure. Like I don't ever, ever, ever take insult when people try to say that I'm like something, you know what I mean? Like I look at yeah. the way things went and it was kind of more of a movement. Like, you know, uh, there's a lot of people who like the Scorum guys and they opened up their shops and there's taxidermy and antiques and all like, I don't, I don't have a problem with that. You know what I mean? For me, the way I designed Glassbox in the business was we wanted like a clean, bright space because if you know anything about hairdressing, you need great lighting. Mm. You know what I mean? And obviously, you know, you guys were ahead of the curve when, when you guys were over there and, and for sure, yeah, like it, it was definitely something that we were interested in or why would we have come over and done education with you, right? I, I always have noticed a gap in, in certain things. And, and that's when I realized that the gap was like, great, I'm a very good traditional barber because I was trained that way. And I'm a very good woman's hair cutter. You know, if we're going to flat iron it, uh, you know, blow dry and flat iron it, like I'm that, I'm an amazing hairdresser that way. You know, when it comes to upstyling and blow drying, I was never fantastic at that because that wasn't the way Sassoon's trained me. I was, yeah. I, I was trained in, in geometrics and geometry. Do you know what I'm saying? So when I ended up going to work at another salon and it was all about big, pretty hair, believe it or not, like I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't very successful because it wasn't my niche. You know what I'm saying? So obviously when I leave the barbershop, I see what you guys are doing. And I was like, wow, this is finally my calling because I am a hairdressing. I am a hairdresser who wants to do barbering. Right. So that was kind of the thing that, that Glassbox kind of decided to do is, is more join what I think is a movement which was kind of more or less um, uplifting an industry opposed to just staying the same, you know? Yeah, of course. So that's kind of a little bit about me and Glassbox and my, 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 my previous, uh, my history. Amazing, man. I, I, I always find it really interesting that a lot of um, males that start off in hairdressing then eventually go on to working more just in men's hair. And obviously that applies to me and applies to most people that I actually know in the men's industry now. It, I, I don't know what it is. I just, personally, I used to find it really quite difficult to adapt into that environment of doing these big hair ups and blow dries. And I, I don't know, I just don't really think that I was built for it mentally. Well, I think like, that's, a, it's, it's funny that you say that as well, because that was, that, it, it was becoming very draining because I just also didn't feel at the time, you know, I was a young guy, and I was doing, you know, sometimes middle-aged women. And like, what did, what did I really have to offer them besides my skills? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, and my skills were great, but like, I didn't really know. And I was a young, young guy. Like, you know, they're, they're talking to me about, you know, quite mature topics. And I, I felt like, you know, I didn't really have much to offer. And I was almost, I got to the point where I was almost a little insecure going to work because I was, I was kind of avoiding the conversation. Yeah, it's almost quite hard to uh, connect with a lot of the clients, isn't it, would you say? Well, of course, man. Like, you know, I always laugh because I always say that colorists, you know, colorists have a staff room for a reason because you wouldn't sit there and watch someone process and try to have a conversation for an hour. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it, som it sometimes can be like pulling teeth. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, you know, and, and, and I'm sure you know it. Like, not everybody that sits in your chair, you're going to have the same sort of um, political, you know, maybe view or agenda, you know, and, and it's, it's hard to discuss certain things with people. Right. And, and for me, like, I felt like once I started cutting my friend's hair and they were referring me to other people and then people kind of understood my vibe, you know, those people were the ones who were coming to me, um, to get haircuts. And then I also, I started to realize I was more comfortable, you know, and now like, I feel like if you walk into a glass box, people think I'm like the super confident guy, but it's only due to experience. 
Mm. You know what I'm saying? It's more experience of working with people and understanding, um, you know, understanding my demographic, you know what I'm saying? But I just wanted to make sure that we were doing, you know, the best service possible with the skill set, and then applying that kind of, um, you know, that vibe afterwards, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, of course, man. You know, I think, I think you've done an absolutely great job over the years building the name of Glassbox and the brand that people know it as today. I think when you think of um, barbering from Canada or Toronto, you do generally think of, like Glassbox for me is one of the, if not the standout name when you think of barbering in Canada, to be honest. Well, mainly I appreciate, because, appreciate main, that. <laughs> main, I mean, yeah, I mean, mainly, mainly because I've been associated with you um, over the years. But when I compare you to other names that might have cropped up, I still think that, you know, you are the, the household name in, in, in Canada, personally. Yeah. And, and, and that's obviously something that's super flattering for us. Um, but I mean, that also comes with um, a lot of hard work. And, and that's the thing is like, you know, we did take uh, the necessary steps to, you know, take education with yourself and, and the team at Menspire and, 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 and try to, to do business. And, um, you know, and, and that's a big thing. I think this is what a lot of hairdressers actually have and sometimes lacks in the barber industry is that education was only new in barbering, you know, let's say five, six years ago. Like that's yeah. when it started to kind of come around. When I worked for the salons, I was forced to take education three times a year and I had to pay for it. Like the, the, hair, the hair industry and the hairdressing industry sometimes I, I, I believe does sort of, um, overshadow the barbering because they are very more driven, like big companies like L'Oreal or Wella or whatever it is, they, they, they offer ed- education calendars all year. Do you know what I'm saying? Where, you know, barber, barbers think that this is something that's new, but if, you know, you come from a, 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 a chain of salons, whether it's a Hobbs or a Chavello or um, some, you know, a Mazelle and Palmer, whatever it might be, like, you know, you, 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 had, you had to be a part of the team. You had to take education. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. for me, the next step, when we opened up the shop, I had to start to outsource of, of what it was going to do. And that's why obviously we had Glenn and Josh come over. We've had the three education guys come over. You know what I mean? Like we've had traditional barbers come over, like anybody I could get my hands on and anybody that was willing to work with us, we, we, we invited, do you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. I just felt like there was something to learn from everybody, you know, and I continue to do that, you know, and including yourself and whoever, you know, comes through Toronto, I always try to be the hub for people to come and visit because A, my staff gets educated. B, I learned so much more about myself and my business, how other people run it, you know, and then C, I can invite people to, to the community to come in and witness to, to again, kind of uplift um, the value of our industry. You know, that's to me is like kind of where I'm at, you know? Uh, that's really great. Um, you know, it's always amazing to, Understand that you can't always do everything yourself and learning off other people is one of the best ways to improve yourself. Yeah. You know, secondly, you have to remove any um, stigma you may have of people and remove any ego from yourself and then everyone will learn and benefit from that. Well, it's funny because I was watching you yesterday, um, you know, on, when you did your, your sit down with your friend there and oh, you did said, you, did you what, did you watch that whole thing? Yeah. Yeah, of course. I, 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 I anything you put up, I'll watch. I suppose. So, <laughs> you're, you're uh, so it's funny though, because you said something that I, I, I kind of, and you know, and, and a lot of people sometimes don't really understand, um, that you were kind of talking about connection and, 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 and social media, how we've kind of lost connection with people. Um, mm. and, and I do believe in that at times because, 
you know, I kind of went through this phase where I was like really angry with the industry. I was bitter. I probably did some stuff that I, I regret, you know, um, via social media. Um, and I think it was due to the fact that I was more internally battling uh, insecurities about how I felt about things. Mm-hmm. And, and now I've kind of taken a step back and I realized I was like, man, like I was, I was really angry um, because I felt like social media and barbering became a very competitive thing where everyone was competing against each other and who was better and who was opening more shops and, 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 and all this stuff. And, and I, I kind of took a, a step back at, at, at the beginning of, uh, sorry, the end of last year. And I was like, man, like, I just want to embrace people now. I just want to be happy. I just want to focus on what I'm doing and have this network of people that I communicate with and that I like. Do you know what I'm mm. saying? I don't, I don't really want to be waking up and being like, you know, trying to plant, a, you know, another six glass boxes and compete with another barbershop down the street. I'm happy, Charlie. You know what I mean? Like, I'm happy with what I'm doing. If, if more people come on board to join and there's that organic growth and, you know, I, I, I feel like I just want to connect with my next man and my staff in just like a more organic, happy mm-hmm. way. You know what I'm saying? I feel like I kind of got wrapped up in, in a lot of, of stuff on social media that was potentially unhealthy. You know what I'm saying? I think, uh, yeah, you know, no, and, and thank you for being honest, mate, because that's, um, that's what people need to hear, you know. You don't wanna, I don't, I don't want to speak to you today and just hear all the good things, because actually, at the end of the day, like, like what I said in that podcast that you watched with me, um, it's so easy to compare yourself to other people via social media and compare your business to other people's businesses, when, when really all it comes down to is... Are you happy doing what you're doing? If so, then why are you even watching whatever anyone, what, what, what anyone else is doing and how they're doing it? And, and that's the thing, man, is like, I think that people think that sometimes Peter Gosling wakes up and goes to Glassbox and everything's amazing. When, dude, to be honest with you, man, like there was times that things haven't been amazing. You know what I'm saying? It's, and you got to kind of look to yourself and you got to kind of self-reflect on being like, okay, well, what is it that's bothering me and what is it that, that's not working, right? And there was, there was lots of stuff that, that, that just, that just didn't work for me. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and at the end of the day, like, I think so many people put on these personas or, or some sort of, um, front that everything is, is hunky dory. But like, you know, at the end of the day, like, I think I've been, I've been a better human being obviously since my daughter was born. And I'm sure you're going to experience that as well. Like once my daughter was born, I realized so much stuff I just didn't care about anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that kind of just made me look at the business and was like, man, I just need to operate a very, very clean professional business and employ great people, you know, and what everyone else is doing, it shouldn't really matter. You know what I'm saying? And, and I guilty um, for, for, following, for following trends and, 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 and focusing on what other people are doing opposed to what I should be doing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, that's a good so, bit of advice. That's a really yeah. good bit of advice. Thank you. Um, I mean, where, so, so how long has Glassbox been actually going for officially and where, where, where did the name, where, where did the name come from and what does it mean? What does Glassbox mean? Yeah. So that's, that's pretty interesting. So Glassbox is now going to be five years old in November. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been fortunate enough. We have, um, one, two, three, four, we have six locations now. Um, three of them in Toronto, um, one in Hamilton and sorry, five locations. And then we just opened up one in Victoria, BC, um, as well as we have the Academy as well. Right. Um, so we have, we have six spots. Um, and, um, you know, the name glass box is interesting and it, and it actually derives from a British military prison, believe it or not. <laughs> so in, in world war two, if you were, uh, if you were defiant, you got sent to the glass house, which was a military prison. 
So I was watching this, uh, this documentary and I was like, oh, Glasshouse. I was like, that's kind of a cool name for a punk band or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I was literally sitting in the shop like um, about a week before we opened. And uh, we were doing the floor tile. We're doing the grout work. And uh, I was like, you know what? Like, what is this? And I was like, well, the first location is all glass windows, right? And then I was starting to start to think about geometry. And I was starting to think about, okay, like what kind of Sassoon's kind of you know, looked at the Bauhaus movement or architecture. And I was like, okay, well, what do we use a lot in, um, in hairdressing? Well, we use the square shape, right? So I started to kind of put things together and I started to move stuff around. I was like, okay, well, it's all glass, right? Which is kind of cool as a play on words because it's a glass building and then it's a square, right? So then I just kind of put glass box together and that's kind of where it came from. So it kind of has a, a derivative from, you know, using shape and hairdressing and then sort of the, uh, the aesthetic of the shop, right? You know, and, and it's been kind of cool because pretty much kind of every location we've opened since has sort of had the same aesthetic. It's bright. It has lots of windows, you know what I'm saying? Or it's on the corner of a, of, of a, of a street. So, uh, you know, or everything is quite uh, geometric in a square shape. So mm-hmm. uh, that's, it, it's kind of, been a, kind of been interesting. And, you know, at the end of the day, I wanted a name that didn't have, um, you know, I, at the time I was looking at obviously skateboard brands that I'm obviously pa- uh, passionate about. And, you know, even old, old music and stuff. And I kind of just wanted one of those one names, you know. And, and to be honest with you, Charlie, like, I would like to remove the barbershop portion of it eventually. And I think we're about to anyways. We okay. just want to be known as Glassbox because, you know, as things start to progress, we're, you know, we've added color services at our shops. And we're getting a lot of uh, new demographics. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, I'd, tra- I'd... it's traditionally not a barbershop anymore. I would consider us to be a salon, to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah, that's cool. I think, I think it's important to, in this day and age, with the way that the industry is moving and the whole world is moving, it's important to not um, box yourself into a certain, you know, like just box yourself in too much and, and kind of limit yourself with, with your branding and with your name. Do For you sure. Absolutely. And that's kind of the thing is like, you know, I wanted to make sure that um, whatever it was going to be, because you never know, right? Like, I mean, we obviously opened up Glassbox Barbershop, but at the time I was like, man, maybe maybe I'll have some money one day and I end up having a real estate agency and it's called Glassbox. Like, I don't know, you know what I mean? Maybe, 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 yeah. a coffee, maybe a coffee shop or maybe a clothing brand. It could have been anything that it wanted to be. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I felt like that was kind of like really strong about the branding. And it's funny because like, you know, people have asked me like, you know, if I was to open up now, um, would I call it the same thing? And, and I'm, I'm pretty confident that I would. Like, I really do like the name. I think it's strong, um, you know, and at the end of the day, you know, there's obviously I had a list of stuff that I would like to call businesses. You know, I, I'm, I'm one of these guys that constantly comes up with these new ideas and new businesses and stuff like that. Right. But I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with what it is. And I think the logo is strong. And I think that if you're in the hair industry and mainly in the in the men's men's hairdressing industry, that you, you definitely recognize the logo wherever you go now. Right. If someone has a sticker on their case or you're wearing, uh, you know, some merchandise of ours, it's, 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 you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's well known as a logo, I would say more as a name at this point, you know? Yeah, brand, branding is hugely important, um, mm-hmm. especially, especially in this day and age, man, especially in this day and age. Um, so did you, did you always want to own your own company when you got into hairdressing? Well, that's an amazing question, because I get a lot of people asking me right now, they're like, hey, I'm about to go open my own business, what do you think? And I tell them, don't do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because people yeah. just don't, they just don't, they just don't have a full understanding of, of, of this industry. I think at times I think they, you know, and I kind of say this to a lot of people, I think people come in, they look at how many chairs are in the shop. They go, okay, well each chair is making 200 bucks. So that's 200 times five. So they're like making, 
at least a thousand dollars a day. And, and like, yeah. you know, the, the, it just, it just doesn't add up. People just don't realize that like, you know, and I think a big, a big, a big thing for me, Charlie was, you know, even when we opened up Glassbox, the first time I made a product order, it was pretty shocking. You know what I mean? We realized, Oh, Oh, Oh Christ. Like th this is expensive. And then, you know, <laughs> you, you have face wipes or you have towels or whatever it is. It's just all this stuff starts to dwindle down what you're actually bringing in. Right. So yeah, I'll be completely honest with you. The last barbershop I worked at, you know, obviously I'm on a salary now and I'm in a very comfortable position. Um, but I did probably make the most money and tips when I worked at my last barbershop. You know what I mean? Cause I just had no overhead. You know, I came in, I went to work, I cut hair and I went home, Yeah. you know? And by the time I left there, they'd given me a great commission rate, um, which I was very lucky. So I was making great money. And then I went and opened my own business. Right now in saying that, you know, I feel like I have that entrepreneurial spirit and I feel, I felt like, you know what? I have a lot to offer. And for me, like opening up a business was obviously always something that I was going to do. You know what I'm saying? And this goes back to me being like 16. I thought, you know, I'm going to own a skateboard shop one day. And, and that was just like, that was in my mind that I was going to own a skate shop one day. You know what I mean? And obviously that didn't happen because I ended up going to hairdressing school and, and found an actual, you know, um, you know, talent within myself. But, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, I felt like, yeah, I was always meant to be a business owner. Um, you know, and to be honest with you, and this is another thing I, I feel like I need to be honest with a lot of people about as well is, you know, I wasn't the best leader when I opened up my business. You know, people say that an entrepreneur has to be a great leader. Listen, I made a lot of mistakes. I, I probably pissed some people off. I probably made people not want to work for me because I, I was so new to running a company. There's just mistakes that need to be made. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, so at the end of the day, yeah, I always wanted to be a business owner, but I actually am the owner of the business, but I consider myself to be a coach now. That's how mm -hmm. I kind of run the business. I'm, it's like a sports team or something. You know, it's more about, <laughs> it's more about coaching the individuals that work for you opposed to coming in and being like, I'm the boss, listen to what I have to say and do what I tell you. you <laughs> I, know can, what I'm I, I could actually uh, imagine you as one of these crazy like football coaches just shouting at the team. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, there has definitely been some times, you know, uh, <laughs> where I've had to, you know, correct myself, but that also comes from my own training. Like, Man, I'll tell you a quick story. This is actually pretty, it's like, it, it's insane, you know, and I won't name who it was, but when I was at hairdressing school, Charlie, when I did a bad haircut, the, the guy who was training me, he brought over uh, a dog shit bag that you would pick up dog shit on the street with, right? <laughs> and he used to make me pick up the hair with the dog crap bag. What? That's how degrading it was and how strict it was. That actually <laughs> happened to me, bro. So there I am. There I am. I'm not joking, Charlie. There I am. Like making sure this bob is totally perfect. You know, like it's been blow-dried, flat-ironed. I think I, I think I blow-dried, flat-ironed. He made me wet it down, do it again. Okay? Came over and was like, that's a terrible bob. Look at this side. And there was hair on the ground. And he made me get on my hands and knees with the dog shit bag and pick up, pick up the hair like it was crap. Shit, man. That Bro, that's, go that's going back 15 years, okay? And that, 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 mm. that's, that's like, you know, that's something that I don't share with a lot of people, but that's how strict it was. And I never felt more degraded and more embarrassed in my entire life. Do you know what I'm saying? So like, you know, when you kind of come from that and you realize like, holy shit, like that was so wrong. Like I definitely checked my ego at the door. Like I wasn't going to treat people like that ever inside my own business. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. But I mean, I'm sure you've met some real psychos in this industry, man. You you know it. Like, there's some people yeah. that are just like, you know. I, yeah, I do. I think I think power to given to the wrong people can be a bad thing sometimes. Some people don't really know how to how to how, how to handle it or handle people. And um, I think, especially within big corporations, you get them type of people a little bit more. 
I think in small independent businesses, I think um, everything's a little bit more relaxed and everything feels a bit more um, friends and family all work together. But when you're in big sure. corporations, when you're big corporations, when you especially when you especially when you start off in the industry, you, you are pretty much just a little pawn and you're just a little number and they don't really care too much about you until you start making money for them. No, and, that, um, and that's and that's and that's funny that you say that because you know what happened, and I'll tell you as well. And like, I don't mind, I, I never mind being honest. I was at a hairdressing show like not too long ago, and someone called me and said, "Peter, you know, you rubbed this person the wrong way. They felt like you were being very condescending and and very rude." And I was so shocked. I was like, "Oh shit!" Like, I don't ever want to give that vibe off because the difference between me at a show, I'm very serious. You know, I'm very confident and I'm very passionate about what I do. And sometimes that can come off as like, "Oh, is this guy like an asshole or something?" But it's because when I'm there at a show, I'm there to do work. You know what I mean? And I'm there to yeah. do the best hair and I'm there to make sure that I represent my brand correctly. So I actually reached out to this person and, you know, we had a good conversation. And I said, listen, that was not, you know, if that's how, and, and once they kind of realized that I was there to do my job and people were expecting me there to do my job, they were like, oh man, that makes total sense. Right. So, you know, it's important that I think that, uh, you know, and this is something I even learned from you guys, like wherever I go, I have to make sure that I'm representing not only myself and my business partner, but I'm also representing my staff. You know what I'm saying? Because if, yeah. the, le- if the leader is, is someone who's not, you know, if someone says, hey, the leader's a jackass, then, you know, it's, it's more likely that other people are going to be like, oh, well, the, the, probably the rest of the people that work there are not very nice either. You know what I'm saying? So I think a big thing for me is just like, I, I like to hear feedback and I like to know that, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be as, like I said earlier, as, as neutral and as welcoming as possible to, to, to the industry as newcomers or whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, of course. It's, it's, you know, it just comes down to practice what you preach, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so obviously you've mentioned that you've got your own academy, which I'm very That's aware right. about. Yep. Um, what do you, how important, sorry, do you think it is to have education um, within your own brand? And how do, you, how do you think that helps develop the people within your brand? Well, um, you know, Obviously, the academy... Like, it, like, is it a necessity for companies to have in-house education? <sighs> That's a great question, Charlie. I, I, you know, and I like think at the it, end... Like how is it important to you and Glassbox that you it's, have it's, that it's, education? It's, it's so important, and then it's extremely, extremely important. And this is the thing. Obviously, coming over and spending time with you guys a couple years ago, you know, I understood a couple things. One, education to me was never about external education, I, now that I look back. My big thing was... I, I worked for, like I said, I worked for companies that always had academies, you know what I mean? And, you know, I'm always more driven by what's happening in the UK and Europe. So I, I kind of always knew that these facilities like Sassoon's or Aveda, um, you know, or Hobbs Salon, like everyone has their internal education. So when I came and visited you guys, I thought doing the external classes originally is kind of where um, I wanted to go. But now that I've realized, you know, and as I've gotten a bit older and a little bit smarter, you know, I realized, man, you know, I'm not actually in totally in love with the external education. I do it because it's fun and it's a great thing that we offer once a month. But for me, I run the academy, um, especially going back after COVID. I'm pretty much in the academy um, in the morning um, into the mid-afternoon just training new staff. That's, that's, that's kind of where my passion lies now. Wow. Um, that's, that's what I want to do because, you know, at the end of the day, um, I need to obviously supply um, – you know, new, 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 new blood into the business because, you know, as time goes by, people leave companies, right? So I just want to always make sure that I have a nice revolving door of well-trained people, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so my thing is, is about internal education. Uh, you know, one of the perks to come work at Glassbox is that we are very focused on, you know, bringing in artists. We do run education, 
you know, we do run external education, which gives people the opportunity to teach, you know, but, you know, there was also a lot of, a lot of things that kind of happened in the industry that everybody all of a sudden wanted to be a barber and everyone wanted to be an educator and everybody wanted to train and travel the world. Well, you know, a lot of those positions have been filled, you know, and at, at the end of the day, it's like, I felt like that was not the right message to be sending to the industry, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so I kind of just got back to basics and I realized, man, like, what is, what is my, what is my job and what is my role and what is my value to my own company? Well, you know what? I'm, I'm well-educated. You know, I'm a strong hair cutter. I always have room for improvement, but what I should be doing is just focusing on the people that work for the company. Right. So even like I said, after this correction, after this, this break, I'm going back in, I'll be in the Academy pretty much every morning from 9am uh, to about 11 or 12. So I've, I've hired new staff. And they'll be coming in with me from nine till 12 every day. And then they'll get placed to the location that they go to as an, as an apprentice. Right. And that'll be pretty much Monday to Friday. And that's mandatory until I say, you know, you're ready to go on the floor as a junior stylist. And I think that that's the best thing that I can do right now to supply my business with great stylists, as well as give the right education opposed to the wrong education. You know, I've been lucky enough to be around yourself and Josh and, um, you know, uh, the people who trained me, you know, the, the woman Morgan who trained me, you know, and I feel like I do have a lot to offer, uh, in terms of getting people on the right step to their career path. You know what I'm saying? So I, I feel like that's why my Academy is important, but I don't use the Academy to like make money. You know what I'm saying? It's not really about that. Yeah. And I generally like teaching. Like I like to teach and I like to hang out with people and you and I both know, like the teaching aspect is a quite a lot of fun when you have, people who are interested in something that you're interested in. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, you know? definitely. No, I think, you know, I've, 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 I've watched you teach before and I think you're one of them people that can really um, grip an audience and really re- and where, where people can really relate to you and you can really uh, make people feel comfortable and make people laugh and stuff. And that's, that's for me, one of the biggest um, characteristics that you need to have as an educator. Absolutely. And I think this goes back to, you know, watching, you know, there's a lot of people who watch these motivational speakers and, 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 you know, your Gary V's and your Tony Robbins and all that. But I think the big thing for me that I've taken, even from watching stuff like that, about these people who speak to large groups, I kind of wanted to always be genuine. You know what I mean? And, and if that even sometimes is, is, is saying something that people might disagree with, I'd rather people be like, okay, I disagree with them, but at least he's honest. Do you know what I'm saying? And, and trust me, Charlie, I've gone and done a lot of, of education and people, the number one question people ask me is, do you do clipper over comb? And I always say to people, no, I don't use clipper over comb, right? But people get bothered by that. They're like, well, why wouldn't you do clipper over comb? Why wouldn't you do clipper over comb? And I said, because I'm trained to use scissors. It's not about whether I can or can't. I can do anything that I want. Do you know what I mean? We can, we can do anything that we want. But the reality is, is I guarantee you 95% of the time, you know, unless it's sort of Afro texture hair or, or very, very um, straight Asian hair, I feel like you'll get a better result from using the shear. Do you know what I'm saying? But yeah, that's it's, something it's, that I'm just genuine about. You know what I mean? Some, something that I like to say is it's not about what's wrong and what's right because there is no one that is right and who's wrong. It's about what you prefer to do and what works for you best. Exactly. That's and, and that's the thing is that people just – and that's the thing. I never say no to it. I would just yeah. – people would ask me and I would just say I don't use it and it's rare that you would find us using it. And people are like, well, that's crazy. you know. And then all of a sudden it gets into all that political garb about us being section people and all that. But it's like, man – before that even existed, I was, a, I was a section god before that existed. You couldn't work in a salon and not take sections and do foils. Like that, <laughs> exactly, it, yeah. it didn't, it didn't it, like, you know what I mean? And I feel like there's been so much negative, uh, you know, stuff about sort of the industry that brings us down. But the reality is if anybody had a, a clue, 
You know what I'm saying? Like if you go to hairdressing school, you have to use sections. You, ha you can't do color without sectioning. Yeah. Like it's the same application to hair. Why wouldn't you want to do a great job? I know, right? It's crazy. But I think that's just people that are ignorant to learning new things. That's all. Well, it's not that's only all. that. It's, it's so, so easy to sit on the internet. And like I said earlier to you, it's so easy on the internet to be a keyboard warrior and put negativity out there when it's really like, well, what's the point? Like, why would I really even care how someone else cuts hair? Like, yeah. if, you think, if you actually think about it, it's so crazy. It's so irrelevant, isn't it? It's so irrelevant that someone would mm -hmm. want to spend their time giving someone shit about doing their job. Do you I know, know what I mean? Right. Yeah, imagine, imagine, going into, imagine going into a hospital and a guy's saving your life and you're trying to tell him he's doing it the wrong way. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's just so many, so many dumb things that I've, I've, I've seen on social media over the last little bit that I just mm. like, even, you know, and I hate to say it, but like for a while there, like my, my Instagram was, was, was going up and I was getting followers and it was all great. But I, re I realized I was like, this isn't bringing me money. It's not bringing me happiness, you know? The only thing it's bringing me is attention, and all of a sudden it started bringing unwanted attention. I was like, I don't even care about this anymore. Yeah, you, you got to think: is, is 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 that good attention or bad attention? You know. Well, that's it, right? And I feel like at the end of the day, it's like you know, I you and I both know because we've been around the block. It's like you know, you just start to you know, I started to personally, I started to unfollow and only follow the people that I I felt like I wanted to follow, you know, and that offered me something that was either educational or, you know, business, something, something via business that I could utilize, you know? I think that's important. That's a really good, um, that's a really good bit of advice. I always tell people, you know, unless like if you're using your Instagram as a tool for your business, for your haircuts, for your barbering, hair or haircutting, only follow the people that are going to benefit your journey. There's no point in following anyone else. Well, that, that's just it, you know? And at the end of the day, I've met so many cool people and so many friends and, 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 and people that I'm, I'm like-minded with because I just started to focus on the people that obviously first, first they starts with kindness. You know what I mean? Like why would I want to associate with someone who's just generally not kind? Mm. Do you know what I mean? So I feel like I'm attracted to, like I said earlier, like, you know, I did my own self-reflection being like, dude, are you being kind? Are you being friendly to people? Or are you getting swept up in this sort of egomaniacal social media game? And I realized like, whoa, that's not me. I grew up going to the skate park, encouraging people to, to get better at skateboarding, not going there to make fun of them because they couldn't do tricks. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? And that's like yeah. my thing is like I always bring stuff back to the skate park. There's an etiquette of how a skate park operates. And you just don't go to the skate park and act like an asshole because it's a community. And if you are not good to the community, guess what? You're not going to get invited back to the park and your, your friends are not going to want to hang out with you. You're probably going to lose your sponsors. You know what I mean? So I feel like that's kind of how I, I look at the industry and the business now, you know? Talking about skating, you've seen me on a skateboard before, haven't you? Yeah, well, we, we were, that's what we were doing down in Miami, right? Yeah, we were cruising around Miami on skateboards. <laughs> yeah, was, oh, you, dude, that, was, you think, that was a good would, trip. What do you think? <laughs> am, uh, am, I, am I all right at skating? Yeah, I mean, listen, not man. Bad, not bad. <laughs> dude, this is what we say to everybody. You don't get on a skateboard because you're, you're trying to be something. You get on it because you enjoy it and you like it, and it's an independent thing that you know, it's like surfing or snowboarding. It's just like, it's a really cool feeling. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, I would never, I would never knock anybody for, for anything. Um, uh, you know, you're probably better at a lot of things than I am. You know what I'm saying? And like, again, like, yeah, you can, you can ride and that's all that matters. And if you're having fun doing it, then who cares? Right. <laughs> yeah. You know what good, I'm saying? good, good answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, awesome. 
So do do you think there's a difference between um, the Canadian barbering at the moment and the UK barbering? Is there any type of gap do you see or oh, do you see things that are quite You're going to get me in trouble here. You're going to get no. me in trouble here. <laughs> Why? Yes, there is a gap. But this is what it comes down to, right? And again, this is where people would be maybe a little bit bothered by how I present this, but this is a, just the truth and I can only speak genuinely about the industry, okay? The way... The way the Brits cut hair, you know, you got you to gotta look at, and this is the thing, you got to look at the people out there and some, you know, and I'm not saying that there's not a great American haircutters as well or great Canadian haircutters. That's not what I'm saying at all. But, you know, all, the, all my favorite people are usually from the UK. And I don't know why that is. Maybe I'm biased, but like there's something about the education in the UK and about the standard of practice that, mm. doesn't, that doesn't translate um, or hasn't gotten to this part of the country yet. Do you know what I'm saying? And okay. even, even, Fat, even Thaddeus, you know, who's a good friend of mine, you know, he'll even tell you the same thing. Like he left Canada to go take Sassoon's because I told him, I was like, man, go to Sassoon's in the UK. You know, they got great people who work there and you're going to get a better foundation for haircutting than I think you will in Toronto, you know? And that's no disrespect to anybody in Toronto, but, you know, he was already at a, at a, at a, at a point in his career. And I was like, man, if you want to get better, like that's where I would go. If I had the money, I would go there. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I just believe there's just a higher standard um, of, of, of structure, of, of precision, you know, that, that is, is taught in the UK. So, I mean, you got to look at myself uh, personally. I came over to learn from you guys because I could see that. You know what I mean? I could identify with that. And I'm not a guy that, you know, I'm not a guy. I like, I like to be, I'm a very hands-on guy and I wanted to see up close and personal what you guys were doing. Do you know what I'm saying? So I, I think that the gap is, is starting to close. Don't get me wrong. We're on a very good trajectory here. Um, you know, and obviously someone like myself is sharing stuff like that. But I feel like there's a lot of people that are still kind of teaching uh, the same stuff that they were being taught you know, four or five years ago because that's kind of how they're making a living. But I haven't even seen those educators really evolve. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, 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 and for me, like, you know, if you know anything about me, like – Dude, I, I, I take two or three classes a year. And to be honest with you, Charlie, I don't always put up the classes that I'm attending on my own social media. Do you know what I'm saying? Because I'm not there to showcase that I'm, you know, and I'm there to learn and I'm not there to, to brag or boast. I'm there to take everything in and, and, and get better. So, you know, I, I've yeah. taken my own personal education, um, you know, to, to bring back to, to the academy and bring back to my staff. But I definitely feel like, you know, and this is a, this, here, here's a perfect example. The crop, when you guys were doing the crops, mm-hmm. no one was getting them here. Like when, when we opened Glassbox, it was very, very rare that we would get someone coming in to get a crop haircut, right? Now, at the same time, by the time everyone started doing crops here in Canada, you guys had started to move on to, you know, some longer lengths. And then by the time we got to the longer lengths, the fashion mullet is back. You know what I'm saying? So I feel <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I'm serious, man. And the thing is, is like, I would love to get more mod haircuts like that. I feel like that's something I would excel in. Like just from my hairdressing background, like I would excel so far in, in the mod haircuts, you know, the stuff that Jody does, the stuff that you do, you know, the stuff that Josh has been doing, but like, I just don't get that clientele. Like we're, we're, it's not only just about what we're putting out there. I can try to go and find people, but I feel like Canadians are a little bit more conservative in, in terms of how they're going to wear their hair because we're not as fashion forward. So if the fashion isn't as forward and we're not seeing that in the fashion magazines and then I have to import a British fashion magazine or an Italian fashion magazine where you see that, that's when we're more likely to get someone to ask. Do you know what I'm saying? 
Mm-hmm, but we're, we're, we're just not we're just, we're just not we're just not at that evolution yet and like to be honest with you bro i've heard people think say that they think the crop is the ugliest haircut ever and they would never <laughs> get that do you know what i mean but like yeah. bro like i grew up listening to oasis all i ever wanted was an oasis haircut <laughs> yeah you know what i mean like th- like the, the gallagher brothers have had personally to me like i know everyone is always like oh, brings in photos of david beckham when i was a kid dude i was bringing photos of oasis I wanted every Gallagher haircut ever. See, that's why I like you, mate, because they're like my favorite band. So. Dude, bro, come on, though. Let's go back and think in time here. Like, how many cool haircuts have those guys had? It's unbelievable, from, man. From, from a buzz cut to a faux hawk to, like, even, you know, a mullet with a crop. Like, dude, like, Liam has had the best haircuts, I think, of all time. And, I, yeah. and, I, and he's kind of my icon in terms of, of how fashion has been expressed to me. You know what I mean? And, like him and Ian Brown from the Stone Roses, like that whole era of like, of music and style. Like, I feel like that's how guys are walking around now and they don't even realize that that was like something that's, you know, we're talking, you know, we're going to Oasis here. We're talking 20 years, 20, almost 30 years ago now. You know what I'm saying? I've I've actually got a cool, I've actually got a cool little thing that I can chuck into that, to be honest. Um, Last week I was working for Pretty Green, which is Liam Gallagher's clothing brand that he owns. Wow. And I, I was down and I've just been made their in-house hair session stylist for all their shoots and stuff, right? And I get given a lot of their clothes and stuff now, right. which is um, quite a nice little perk. But um, I, pretty much the photographer had two, two pairs of sunglasses on the side um, and he, there, there was just me and a model there. And he said, do you guys want to take these glasses? We're like getting rid of all this stock at the moment. And we were like, yeah, cool. The model picked the gold framed pair. Right. And the silver framed pair was left for me. And then as soon as he gave them to us, he goes, oh, by the way, that silver framed pair is exactly the pair that Liam wore at Glastonbury Festival last year. That, wow. that is the pair that he wore. Wow. And I was like, yes. That's so awesome. like, I, I've literally just been given a pair of his glasses that he wore on stage. Well, <laughs> you know what? Cool, I, I, I just want to touch on that. So see how you're getting opportunities like that? Yeah. Like no one would ever call me up in Toronto and be like, can you come and do that? Because that doesn't exist here. Like our modeling agencies are so, um, I feel like they're so conservative. Like no one's going to call me up and be like, Peter, like obviously I'm skilled and I can go do it. But like, I feel like you guys get so many great opportunities to do session work like that because it's like, you know, bro, like, come on. Well, well, the the clothes that I'm wearing right now are from Tottenham. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, I, I I think London itself is the fashion capital of the world, or, or if not, you know, up there in the top three. So one hundred percent. I think a lot of brands and things like that are based in and around London, and there's just a lot of creative work going on. So if you are in London, like I am, and I live here, there is a lot of opportunity. Yes. Oh, dude, one hundred percent. And and for me personally, like, you know, when I came out to visit you guys, my when I would come home, my girlfriend was like, "Oh my god!" Like I'd be opening up my suitcase and like it was billowing of clothes because I would, I wouldn't, <laughs> I would just save to purchase clothes on Oxford street or wherever <laughs> yeah. I was going or palace or whatever. Right. Because I was like, I, I couldn't get certain things, you know? And, and the reality is, is my girlfriend would always be like, Oh my God, I can't believe how much money you spent there. And I was like, yeah, but like I've got items of clothes that I bought in the UK that are a timeless and B people are always like, where did you get that? And I'm like, man, yeah. like, like th- th- you would never get that in a top man here. And, and, and even though top man is like the lowest, you know, like it's, it's, it is what it is. It's, it's pretty good for basics. Like your yeah. basics at top man there just like make our top man section look so brutal here. Like, cause they just don't bring in stuff that, that people, that, that people would just not buy the stuff in the UK. You know what I'm saying? Like they would not yeah. buy it here. Right. And I think that that is a huge, 
a derivative of why we don't get that kind of uh, fashion culture. <coughs> Excuse me. And dude, we're only, literally, man, we're only an hour's flight from New York City. But like, I feel like even New York doesn't have the same sort of energy when you come to London. Like, I love New York, don't get me wrong. New York is a great time. But when I'm in London, I, there's so much more that so much more energy that I see in terms of like, you know, if you walk through Soho, you know, like, and it's funny because there's a girl that my girlfriend's really good friends with. She was just, uh, she worked at Joe and co for the last year. She just moved back to Canada. Mm -hmm. So she was working with Jody and me and her had a huge conversation about, you know, who Jody is and what Jody's up to. And, 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 and we were just talking about clothes and culture and vibe. And I was like, man, like that's what at times Toronto is missing because we kind of play it safe. You know what I'm saying? Where I feel like sometimes people are a little bit more, you know, like not to mention, you got to understand as well for six months of the year, bro, we have to wear hats because <laughs> yeah. it's so cold, right? It's so, so cold, it's so yeah, cold yeah, yeah. bro. So like, it, it's not likely people are going to really worry about their haircut. You know, they, well, they get haircuts, but like, you know, it's not like you can totally style it up because at the end of the day, you have to wear a winter hat because you'd freeze, right? Where you guys have, you know, you know, you guys have rainy weather, you know, uh, quite a bit, but at the same time, it's like, I feel like, you know, people are just so into like getting styled up to go to the club and, 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 and doing their hair. And, you know, I personally, man, I think all the best music and all the best clothes come from the UK, but that's just my opinion. So, yeah, I think, I think secretly you're, you, I think secretly you're, uh, you're an undercover Br- British person at heart. Well, I am. I, my parents are British, right? So that's, you go. that's, a, that's the thing, you right? Go. So, yeah. right. I've got, I've got a few more questions. I want to fit no into the last, the last little section here. Absolutely. Um, if you had to name one highlight of your career, what would it be and why? Oh, probably, I know there's probably a few in there, but like if there was one thing that stands out, why, you know, what is it? Probably driving around in that, that car in Miami with you. <laughs> and Armando. Is that Arm- Arm- Armando? Yeah, Arma- yeah. Armando, yeah. <laughs> guy, guy, yeah. Almost, guy almost killed us. I don't think I don't think we stopped laughing that whole night, there, bro. That was just too good. That was too funny. <laughs> He's but, a great uh, guy. No, he was a great guy. No, we met a lot of cool people on that trip. And yeah, a lot my, of people, that, that Miami trip definitely stands out as one of the trips for me as well. Well, it was just it was just like it was just a weird. Yeah. The whole thing was just a, an an outrageous, you know. Obviously, in some sad times as well, but it was just yeah. it was just totally crazy. But that's um, what I mean. There was just a whole mix of emotions into it, wasn't there? That yeah, and, it I, and like and memorable. it was crazy because I was coming home to Glenn, and Glenn was living in my living room. Oh yeah, like it was nuts. I had Glenn live in my living room on a mattress with his girlfriend for two months. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like I've I've done some I've done some crazy stuff, you know. But um, you know what, man? Um, the highlight of my career at this point would be a very very hard uh, thing to answer. Um, I feel like there's been so many great and positive things. Um, but I, I, would, I would say the highlight at this point is, 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 is probably just bettering myself because I, I've done stage shows, Charlie. I've done traveling with you guys. I've done education across Canada. But I think the, the highlight is understanding the person who I am now versus five years. So not to sound cheesy or cliche, but 100% of, you know, I'm, I'm more impressed and happy with myself that I've done all these things. Uh, and the highlight is just that I've, I've, I've impressed myself and I'm proud of myself for putting myself in uncomfortable situations, right? Because sometimes you just have to surrender the outcome, you know, put yourself in uncomfortable situations. And, 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 I, and I feel like the highlight is just kind of self-growth, if, if, if I could answer that in, a, in, 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 in two words. It would be just the self-growth of, of who I was five years ago to who I am now, you know? That's brilliant, man. Yeah, that's, 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 a, that's, a, that's a good answer. That's a good answer. And it's important. <laughs> 
Um, okay, moving on. If you had to give yourself one bit of advice, um, when if you look back at yourself when you were 16, what would it be? <clears throat> wow, that's a good one as well. Um, well, there's a couple of things I'd like to say to myself. One would probably not get mixed up in some stupid things, but um, I think <laughs> the big one. I think the big one would be. You know, I'm going to tell you a quick story, okay? And this is, this is the God's honest truth. I was going through Instagram the other day, and this guy popped up on my Instagram. And I realized in high school or in, 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 you know, in, in middle school there, I don't think I was particularly very nice to him. And I said to my girlfriend, I was on the couch, I was like, you know what? Like, this guy in high school was given uh, quite a lot of grief from a couple of us, and he was into skateboarding. And... Um, you know, he just naturally just wasn't someone that, you know, I guess would be considered cool. You know what I'm saying? And I, I kind of came across his Instagram and I saw that he was still skateboarding and he was still so passionate about it. And I sent the guy a message on Instagram. I said, you know what, man, some of us in high school kind of teased you a little bit and you didn't deserve that. And I got a bit of a lump in my throat, man, because I realized that how mean you could really be as a young person. And if I could mm. go back and give myself some advice, I would say you need to be kind. Because you got to look at what's going on in the world right now with a lot of people um, and, and, and communities. And, and I, think, I think I would just tell myself to be as kind as possible. Because you know what? I feel like even, like I said earlier in our chat, the nicer I've been and the kinder I've been and the more generous I've been, the better things have gotten for me. Mm. So that's kind of where I'm at. I think I would go back and just be like, hey, man, check yourself and just be kind to everybody. Because, you know, you wouldn't want people to be nasty to you or your family. So just, just be kind and, 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 and pay it forward. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, man. No, that's powerful. I think I would say that to myself as well. Um, yeah. If I, look, if, if I look back, if I had to go back. Like, so, yeah. you, you and I know both, like, we like a joke and we can tease each other and make fun of each other, right? But, like, even, even as a business owner now, you know, you got to be careful because you don't want to take it too far because you don't really know what people are dealing with, you know? Yeah. So I, I think it's just very smart. If you're going to be a leader, you know, and you're going to be someone senior in this industry, you just have to... You know, you just have to be kind, you know, and I, even I, even I personally, Charlie, I, I've toned it down. Like I can joke around with my guys all the time, but I've toned it down as well. Right. Because you, you just want to be careful. You're not offending anybody, you know? Yeah, exactly that, mate. Well said. Um, and on to the last question sure. I've got for you is if you have to leave one bit of advice to the listeners that are listening to the podcast, what, what would it be? It, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be within hair, just could be within anything, within life. One, one, one bit of advice you want to leave. Surrender your outcome. And what I mean by that is you have to understand that just don't worry about what might happen. I think you have to just do what you think is right. Go with your gut feeling and if something doesn't work out, you know what? It's likely that you've learned that you're not going to do that again, you know, or, you know, maybe you will do it again, but you'll do it differently. So I think you just have to kind of understand whether it's a haircut. You can't be afraid to do a bad haircut, right? Because guess what? When you're starting to do hair, you're probably going to do a lot of bad haircuts. So don't worry about the outcome because it's about getting to point A to point B to point C to point D to do a great haircut, Right. So I think for me, like just surrendering and, 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 and dropping my guard just to accept that it's okay not to have to be the best all the time, you know? Uh, mm. It's okay to fail. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to say sorry. It's okay to cry. You know what I mean? Like I feel like there has to be this like really strong, manly sort of um, macho-ness sometimes to our industry. And it's like it's okay to have these emotions, you know what I mean? 
And I think mm. you just at times you kind of just have to surrender what you think may or may not happen to you. No, that's so lovely. Thank you, that's mate. That's all I can really say. You know what I mean? Because, you know, at the, at the end of the day, I'm still doing exactly what everyone else is doing and trying to figure out my own plan, right? Yeah. So, of course, of course. Well, thank you. Th- thank you for sharing all of your knowledge, all of your wisdom <sighs> and all of your advice. I think it's been very insightful, mate. And Absolutely. Uh, really, re- really, really interesting. I mean, I-, I could sit here and talk to you for hours. Absolutely. With, you know, there's so much more to talk about. But um, thank you. And hopefully yeah. I'll get out to Canada, whether it's this year or next year. And Absolutely. we'll do something out there. Yeah. You know, you're always more than welcome. And, uh, you know, I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. And, uh, you know, um, I'm very grateful for our, our our relationship me too mate me too okay cool thank you peter okay nice to speak to you brother take care all bye. the best bye so guys i hope you enjoyed the listen i want to thank peter for taking his time out and coming on to the podcast again and speaking to me and sharing his wisdom and his knowledge and his insights into the industry and into his brands out in Canada. I wish them all the best and uh, I hope to, to be out there myself soon, very, very soon. So thanks for listening and I'll speak to you soon.